This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good morning, and welcome to the Monday Morning Break with me, Marie. And this morning, I'm going to be talking to Michael, who's made the move from primary teaching into special further education. So we'll be talking about the differences between that. This, this is, is Teachers, Teachers Talk, Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So good morning everyone and I hope you're all okay on this Monday morning. Um, it was a very hot weekend uh, where, we, where we are here um, so I hope everyone had some nice time in the sunshine and feeling relaxed and ready to go on this Monday morning. Uh, so as I said uh, the title of today's show is Making the Move um, and I'm joined by Michael here. Good morning, Thank Michael. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. So Michael was a primary school teacher for five years, um, and you've also previously taught in Japan for 10 years, and you've now made the move into specialist further education sector, teaching post-16 students. Um, so I think there's been a lot recently, and I know there's been some other uh, Teachers Talk Radio shows about um, the recruitment um, and retention difficulties at the moment. Uh, and I know when we We've done our latest recruitment. We have um, we have started to look at what sort of transferable skills um, and actually sort of explicitly sort of target people and say, look, you might be in primary, junior, um, you know, secondary, but some of your skills are going to be very transferable to different sectors. Have you have you considered it? Um, so yeah, really interesting, and I'm really interested to talk about your different experiences, Michael, and hear about them. Um, so yeah, welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> so could we start with? Can you tell me about a bit about your previous jobs? No, absolutely. Um, I started off teaching in Japan actually. Uh, completely on a whim really some friends of mine also went to japan to teach english and they basically persuaded me to, to join them soon as i wasn't really doing much after university myself i went out there um and then wow i, I spent about yeah 10 years in total there so uh, that's a long whim <laughs> yeah, exactly it turned into a very long whim <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh it was, it was a great experience, obviously, and, and very enjoyable, very fun. Um, and then I think uh, uh, I had a, a CELTA, which is a certificate in English language teaching to adults, mm -hmm. uh, which was one teaching qualification. But after yeah a few years, I just decided that I really wanted to get fully qualified, basically. Yeah. Mainly just for uh, personal satisfaction, for one reason. Um, and I also wanted to experience working in a in a real school environment and mm. a primary school and uh, I also wanted to um, give my family a bit of uh, experience of life in England yeah so at that time I 
two children and uh and i thought it would be useful if they uh had a uh variety of experience of england and japan and they could decide where they wanted to to end up in the future but uh, I, did, I didn't want to say limit them to um mm. necessarily life in japan so there, there were a variety of reasons and then i came back and uh did a pgce and then started working in a primary school so i mean that move in itself must have been very very different you, yes yeah so yes. from going uh, teaching adults um in japan to then coming back coming back to england after 10 years um and then going into teaching primary so yeah big big differences i imagine yeah it, it was yeah um actually the, the first school that i worked for in japan it was a, a conversation school and right. we actually taught people from from two years up to up to i think the oldest one was probably about eight or so oh, so, wow. so I, I did actually yeah i did actually teach a, a lot of children out there as well although to be perfectly honest the the lessons there were uh but very well loosely described as lessons to be honest mm. I say. Um, <laughs> mainly because not many people really had training from the school or previously in how to teach children yeah uh, but everyone enjoyed them and did their best but um but, but we did have, have a lot of experience teaching children um and then I also did some part-time work for another school, which uh, was was mainly focused on children. So I, I did actually have quite a lot of experience teaching or <laughs> supposedly teaching children in, in Japan. Yes, um, yeah. And then c- coming back, the, the, there was quite a, quite a similar uh, style of teaching in a way, because mm. when you teach English, you have to use so many interesting kind of teaching techniques in terms mm. of uh, c- coming up with variety of ideas and um well, almost a very similar style of teaching to primary where you have to really interest people in the subject and yeah and you, you find an interesting topic and then lead into the, the teaching point from there mm. in, instead of secondary which might be bang straight into the teaching and you don't have to give them so much warning you expect a lot more in terms of say the learner's preparation whereas in yeah. primary i think uh, teach English there's a lot more subtle maneuvering them in. That's a very interesting point actually yeah the, the differences between the sort of primary and the secondary like you said the expectations are, are perhaps different was there any um, you know is there any sort of culturally I guess so did you find that when you were you were used to teaching you know in Japan um, and then obviously coming to England and the UK um, was there anything did it did the cultural differences perhaps or the values did that did that make a difference in the classroom that you noticed um I think probably the the biggest difference was mainly just that Japanese people or in general the culture is more leader led and if you're a learner or a student then you're not really expected to uh, take part as much as just do what you're told mm, mm-hmm. so that that could lead to problems in the classroom in Japan because you expected more of them as learners yeah. and you would quite often not get any response but ma- mainly because they were just expecting a different yeah. style of teaching and um, and not necessarily expecting to to almost be seen on the, on the same level as the teacher mm. so you could quite often ask a question in the classroom and no, no one at all would, would respond or put their hand up which Actually, it was much easier back in England when you would uh, ask a question and 10 hands would go up or you couldn't stop them talking. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, probably more of a problem than no no one talking. (laughs) That's really interesting, actually. So I guess linking back to what you said as well about the um, 
sort of it loosely loosely teaching yes, um yes. perhaps there was slight sort of lack of I mean lack of curriculum I mean did it fall a lot to you to kind of come up with the lessons to teach to them or um, <laughs> no, that's a really good question um I think we we did have a a curriculum we actually had a, a textbook I think but it only really contained one lesson or one page of a lesson which we were expected right. to teach each uh, lesson to the children. Yeah. And that was a very, quite a dry mm-hmm. page. Um, and the children were, say, five years old and expected to supposedly fill in this this work in English where they, they couldn't even write in Japanese yet, let alone write in a foreign language. Yeah, so yeah, of th- course. There was quite a strange different expectations <laughs> from, from what the children's <laughs> actual level was and, and the, the school I worked for's expectations yeah so, so a lot of lessons ended up with um well to, to be fair as I said people did try their best I remember um yeah n- not knowing exactly what I was supposed to be doing sometimes we ended up throwing the ball around and catching it and just asking warm-up questions like how old are you and um well, where do you live and so on and so on and then I remember I think a teacher covered my class one day and and they said, yeah, the children were incredibly incredibly fluent in English, which was completely different to what I was actually supposed to be doing. But at the same time, got them talking English. I've only yeah. so it, it was a very very strange school to be honest. <laughs> I mean, they sound. I bet there were so many sort of memories yeah, yes, and yes, experience. Exactly. I mean, I mean, over ten years as well. Because obviously, yes. you had you know you had your life over in Japan, and you yes. had your children. Um, and then, as you said, you then thought that to give your children the best you know the experiences of both of their um heritages and the you know cultures that you would come over um you'd make the move over back over to england which must have been a huge move um and did you have i'm quite interested obviously you are you know british um but was it a bit of a culture shock coming back over did you see a lot of changes in the uk Uh (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say it was so much a culture shock. It was more the fact that you're almost picking something up from 10 years previously. And mm. of course, things have changed. And, yeah. And all of your reference points are not necessarily there anymore. That, that, mm. that was the other thing. I think culturally, I always felt really normal, and if anything, more comfortable whenever I was back in England. Yeah. But I think it was more after 10 years, you realise that talking about something that happened yeah, obviously, 10 years prior, just was not <laughs> relevant to anyone else anymore. Yeah, and, and even things like, I remember, I think, after a few years of being in Japan, I heard something about the the current uh, winner of Britain's Got Talent or something. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh, actually, I, I don't know these people at all. And just yeah. so small things like that, that well, would be so second nature that everyone would know when you start yeah. talking about yeah. it in England. And yet you realise, oh, actually, I don't, don't know some of these things anymore. And, mm. and yeah, after 10 years, it's quite a big, it is a long time. And yeah, I mean, some people sometimes, obviously, almost. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's longer than you think. Yeah. At the same time, you finally think that you do still know everything, but you don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're just 10 years out of date. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... So then, so then we're, you know, you're back in the UK. And like you said, you wanted to carry on with this, carry on teaching. So you um, did your PGCE. Yep. yep, And then began working in a primary school as a teacher. So mainstream primary school. Yes, it was a mainstream primary school. And so how many people, um, how many pupils did you sort of have in your class at that point? Uh, 30. 30, right. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going straight in with, uh, how how old? Uh, 
eight nine eight nine so yeah, yeah. so <laughs> come back from japan straight into a well after yeah. your after your teacher training yeah. and, and have gone into a class of 30 um eight to nine year olds um and you did that for five years. Yes. Yes. That's right, yeah. And then you made another move, which yes. is very, very different <laughs> again. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do now? Uh, well, now I, I work in a specialist further education college um, and and help help people who uh, all have EHCPs. Um, and uh, the, the groups are obviously, yes, much smaller than having 30 people in a class, but Going back to what I said before about the the, the work in Japan, it's mm. interestingly, again, quite similar, I think, compared to primary teaching and, and more similar probably, which might be surprising, more similar than, say, coming from a secondary education mm. setting, which is, in a sense, the same age of student, but the way to teach them is very, very different. Yes. Whereas I think primary is actually quite similar to, to how we teach them mm. and, and use their own interests to... So some well not not all the time but quite often use the learner's interest to to help teach them and help help them learn what they want to learn. Um, there, there's a, a wide range of of subject that we teach here again depending on the the learner. So some people might want to learn about um, flags in geography, for example, mm. or even want to learn Mongolian or Japanese, which I can help them with. Yeah. Um, my, my my main official responsibilities are head of maths and head of behaviour. Uh, but that's that's not what, uh, all that I do, and and sometimes again, depending on the learner, it can be very student-led. And if they mm. want to branch out into a different activity, then then we can. Um, yeah, there's a, a very fluid and, and open curriculum, which is is something that I really enjoy. And being able to to pick something up which you or the learner or someone else might have inspiration for that that day, or all mm. of a sudden, mm-hmm. um, and, and I really enjoy that. There's no um, uh, for feeling ever that you wake up and you think, oh, I'm going to have to do this today, which I think most people probably get in most jobs. And it's, yeah. quite, it's, it's very inspiring and invigorating. Mm. Although, having said that, although it's, uh, I think we might come onto this later, but some people might think they would enjoy that, but yeah. not necessarily would. And I think it mm. does require a certain type of person to actually want to do that and actually enjoy it. Um, yeah. Probably someone that's open to... Um, Lots of changes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and goes to, to Japan on a whim. It's made me that just you saying that actually it's made me think back to what you were saying about those kind of lessons in Japan where you with the children where you might just start sort of um, sort of ad libbing almost and then throwing absolutely. the ball and absolutely. having a conversation that way. Yeah. And I imagine you can bring in a lot of those sort of thinking on your feet skills um, and a, a quick change of, of obviously this le- this lesson. And isn't is not going to work today yeah, um so absolutely. what can we do um yeah. what, so you've also you've also changed subjects i notice haven't you so you've gone from english yes. to maths yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, that, that, yes that's true that's true <laughs> yeah, but I, I do still teach english yes and, and, I, and i do still enjoy teaching english um I, i'd never I, I did actually really enjoy maths up until the end of my gcse's right and i was to be fair, at that time I was reasonably good at it, and I got an, an A at that time. There's no. I think start. that's better than reasonably good. <laughs> it was okay, and I did it year early as well. <laughs> that <laughs> uh, is more than okay. But, but, but apart from that, uh, I I did enjoy maths at that stage, but then I did AO level maths, and mm. and I remember I still remember the very first question on my AO level maths exam, which at that time was a, a branch between GCSE and A level, right? Which yeah. I don't think is done anymore. But I remember the first question on the exam was. The fact that last year 
uh, I think some like 10% of, of people failed this exam. And, and then the question moved on and was related to something related to percentages. And, oh and my myself gosh. and a friend thought we'll, we'll be one of those 10% this year. <gasps> that was the very first question <laughs> on the exam. It said last something year, 10% of people yeah, yes, failed. Oh yes. my gosh. But to be honest, it didn't really bother me because it was a, just a, an extra qualification to potentially get. It was yeah. done when I was in the well, now year 11, yeah. but it, it didn't really matter. And I did actually end up getting an E, which I was actually quite <laughs> surprised and pleased with. How <laughs> <laughs> about what a way to start an exam? Yeah. I mean, yes. th- thank goodness. I hope we don't, you know, that, that yeah. those maths A-levels aren't like that now, because that would be, no, abs- I mean, that would absolutely. absolutely terrify me. No, it's, it's not the best way to start it's, it's not. an exam. <laughs> No, just put the fear of God exactly. into you. Um, yeah, that was the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay. So, I mean, this is just absolutely fascinating to me. I mean, talking about kind of big career changes, completely different ways of working um, and who you're working with, but all within education. So, I mean, can you sort of say what, what are the main differences? I mean, that's a big question, I know, but any sort of differences that you've um, that you've noticed? I think the, the obvious ones mainly, obviously the age of the learners is, is quite different. Here, the average age is probably about 18 or 19, mm-hmm. uh, whereas, of course, in primary school, it's 7 to 11. Yeah. The, um, the, the groups are much smaller here. The maximum is probably about four or five. Mm. So it's not very, very often um, it's one-to-one. Mm. So, of course, it's different. Um and the curriculum is, as I mentioned, more fluid, but still it's quite similar in lots of ways to the primary curriculum in the sense that we cover all the subjects. And yeah. uh, I, I try to teach maths, English, but often we also go into geography, history, mm. science, yeah, depending on the on the lesson. Yeah, so uh, but those are the, yeah, they're the main obvious differences. Um, but, but again, uh, by the same token, they're actually... Yeah, some similarities in, in those. Mm. Obviously, the, a lot of the subjects are similar to um, to primary school. Um, I think it's quite similar to, to what I liked in primary school quite often also, which was go, going into smaller groups and teaching them slightly more yeah. personally instead of teaching a, a large yeah. group of 30 people. Yeah. I think that's an interesting, I, I think that as well, and that's something that we certainly picked up on, um, you know, in terms of our recruitment and sort of almost saying to people, um, you know, the skills that you have from primary teaching and junior teaching are actually very applicable in a specialist um, SEN um, post-16 setting because, I mean, uh, certainly, you know, some students at that age as well, they have got big gaps, haven't they? Yes. I mean, things like telling the time um, and times tables and tying your shoelaces and things like that. If you've missed, for whatever reason, um, you've missed sort of learning that at that age um, and then you're now sort of 18 and and, and you think, well, there's, well, maybe there's no point learning it now or, you know, or there's some embarrassment of, you know, I don't know how to do this. Um, so all those skills that, you know, maybe from primary and teaching things like that can come through in in specialist further education. Um, and, and like you said as well, that just the breadth of the curriculum, I imagine that must be, um, well, I hope, I mean, it, it sounds to me like it would be quite refreshing, you know, and quite interesting after perhaps teaching, you know, one subject, 
all the time and then just having this bit of variety of actually well today we're doing geography and you know this afternoon i'm going to do some english with this group and you know and and like you mentioned sorry about um shoelaces but also Mm. um very importantly here is the the life skills and well-being curriculum also which which is exactly as you were saying a lot of people would come to the age of 18 and not be able to Possibly, yeah. Actually, I think there are some people exactly like you say. You yeah. Actually, don't know how to tie their shoelaces or yeah. or make their bed, and 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 I think that was uh, our life skills and wellbeing week. I think a lot of learners said it was the most enjoyable and, and interesting and useful uh, yeah, week, week they could imagine. It was, it was, yeah. it was amazing. Um, and and also, I remember seeing a few people who I thought might not be uh, that comfortable, but actually really really enjoyed it, appreciated, and, mm. and got into it much more than um, I possibly thought they would, but they re- they really found it useful um, learning how to perform these life skills, which they're just not really very used to. Which that's amazing, isn't it? I think that's ultimately what any any teacher at any age of any class, of any subject, you just want to see your students or your pupils are uh, loving what you're doing (laughs) and energized enjoying it engaging with it and learning skills um and and like i said whatever age group that is and whatever the subject is that's that's kind of what you want um this is so interesting i'm just finding you know i knew your life was quite varied (laughs) um but this is i'm loving hearing about it and and kind of how you've arrived at where you are now but what we'll do we just go we'll go into the news um if anyone who's listening has got any questions for michael then please feel free to message into the show um and we will pick up on this after the news i'll just scroll down on my um Oh, there we go. I thought you were going to have to do the news for a moment then, Michael, as well. No, <laughs> no, fun. no. Problem. Yeah. <laughs> Just another day. Just another day, Just exactly. Another day. Oh, gosh, I still... Sorry, everyone. The news is coming. Right. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Listen Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go, well-being and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio news the universities and colleges employers association ucea is playing down the impact a marking boycott is having on students this is the view of the university and college union according to a report on the bbc the ucea represents 144 institutions and has released a survey which suggests most student graduations are not being affected by the boycott. 
This is contrary to the UCU view that this survey accounts for fewer than half of universities. Some students have graduated without their final marks, whilst others have seen graduations delayed. The boycott is part of a long-running dispute over paying conditions, which has been previously reported on Teachers Talk Radio News. Many students have complained about the lack of communication around the impact of the boycott from their universities, whilst others highlight the fact that it is coming at the end of an already fragmented experience of university brought about by the impact of the pandemic. Whilst the UCEA survey suggests that the impact on students is different in each university, its chief was keen to say it showed that the majority of students were not facing a graduation without their final marks, although Raj Jethwa was quick to point out that this would be little comfort to those who were affected. The industrial action in the higher education sector is just part of a wider action being taken by those in education. But Sky News and other outlets report that PM Rishi Sunak could be considering a block on recommendations by peer review bodies from across the public sector. The teaching peer review body presented its recommendations to ministers and it is expected to be published next month. Leaked reports suggest it could be a proposal of 6.5%. Government sources deny the claims made originally in the Times, but stated that pumping money into the economy risks fueling inflation. In an editorial in The Guardian, recruitment and retention problems were highlighted again, with some alarming figures suggesting that one in four new teachers leave the profession within three years. The piece goes on to cite the huge range of issues that schools deal with, including sexual harassment and bullying, as well as home circumstances and their effects. This view was further emphasised this week with a report from The Observer focusing on the stresses being placed on pupil referral units. The units cater for children who have been excluded from mainstream schools. But leaders are now saying they are full to bursting because of unprecedented levels of behaviour incidents in schools. Data suggests that permanent exclusions are rising after a brief lull on the return to school after the pandemic. The former Children's Commissioner Anne Longfield says in the report that schools are buckling under the pressure of children with complex needs and cites cuts to public services leaving a lack of support in its wake. She called the situation a disaster for vulnerable children. A former head teacher of a PRU instruction on Tees said she had dealt with children spitting, kicking and swearing. A school had previously tried to take children on short outreach programmes but now this was impossible due to overload. Finally, the BBC features calls by EastEnders actress Rose Ailing Ellis for sign language lessons to be made freely available to those who need them, including parents and carers of deaf children. The British Sign Language user says she cannot believe that some parents and guardians of deaf children have to pay for tuition. The cost of an accredited course can be anywhere between £200 and £700. Martin McLean, Senior Policy Advisor at the National Deaf Children's Society, says funding is inconsistent and a postcode lottery, with some local authorities funding it whilst others don't. Spokesmen for leaders across all four home nations have made statements in support of improving access to BSL, but only the Welsh Government says it is already included in the curriculum for schools. In 2022, the British Sign Language Bill was passed, recognising BSL as an official language and the Department for Education in England says it is working towards a BSL GCSE 
which should be available from September 2025. A spokesperson for the Scottish Government has said that its teaching council is working with the University of Edinburgh on the development of an undergraduate degree in primary education and BSL. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to discuss tech that will help you battle one of the worst things that can possibly happen in school, the summer. Nothing is worse than melting all day while trying to deliver lessons, yet we all have to suffer it. Let's see what tech has to offer you. Through searching the web, I found a few cool gadgets, pun totally intended. Starting with the cheapest, a neck fan. It looks like an 80s pair of headphones around your neck. Rechargeable with different speed settings, it's got some decent reviews and at £14 may be worth a try. Although high settings have more noise so it might not be great for quiet times. For £20 you can get a personal air cooler. This has a tank of water so not only fans you but uses the water to super cool the air. Nice. £29 gets you a waist fan. Clip it onto your belt or use the belt supplied and it blows up your shirt. Again, rechargeable and you can choose a front or back position. As with the previous though, noise may be a problem. Next, staying with the fan idea, for £79 you can get a cooling vest. This is a vest filled with fans, not unlike those you see on novelty inflatable fancy dress suits. The fans pass cool air over you and you stay cool. Again, noise is a factor here though. If you're willing to splash out for £100, how about a cooling vest with elements instead? Basically, it looks like an FBI bulletproof vest you see on TV, filled with reusable ice packs. It's obviously very quiet, however, will make squeezing through tight spaces a little more difficult. Also, preparation is needed as the packs will need to be frozen overnight. In conclusion, fans are the cheapest way to go and you look like you're standing in hero wind, but noise is a factor. Vests may keep you cool, but you certainly will not look it. I suppose you could always try sticking an ice pack in a plastic bag and putting it in your pocket. What do you do to stay cool? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Right, just sorry, just turning my volume back up again. Um, right, welcome back. And I always love the two-minute tech. Um, I always, um, always get lots of ideas, and I've literally just written down the one about the personal air cooler. I mean, for twenty pounds, that sounds actually really good. Um, I wasn't too sure about the others, um, particularly the one I was just imagining us all with the fans blowing up, blowing up your sh- shirts and uh, looking like you're wearing an FBI vest. Um, but yeah, always, always love Steve's two minute tech. So we do. Um, yeah, we prepared a while ago, actually, for the for the heat wave uh, or the hot weather coming because it does cause a lot of issues um i mean the far reaching issues actually that are beyond kind of somebody getting a bit hot and bothered um there's the sort of the sensory issues um the regulation as well i mean i think a lot of us a lot of our students find it difficult to to regulate their own temperatures anyway um and it can be very overwhelming to be hot as well um and then of course as well there's all those the issues with sort of dysphoria or or people not wanting to wear t-shirts for for you know many reasons um uh, and that you know so you've got to actually be sort of very careful of the most 
you know those that are still wearing coats and hoodies and and things like that so um yeah, we actually had one of our students write a little a guide for everyone staying cool and we've brought in things like um sort of buckets so you could put in cold water under the table and lots and lots of ice lollies and and things like that um we and the misting fans they're quite good because they're quite cheap i think you can get them from various places for not very much money at all a little hand fan that you can mist through um but yeah i think it is i think there's a lot of there's a lot of issues with the heat beyond heat stroke maybe or sunburn isn't there yeah um so while we were listening to the news um we were just talking about the um the news story weren't we michael you were saying you'd read it this morning um i'm very relevant actually to what we're talking about um if they're saying you know this retention crisis continues with one in four new teachers leaving within three years i mean that's a very short amount of time isn't it um there's something not not going well there i think no. but yeah you were saying we, you were saying what you'd read michael as well um, I, I just heard that i think it was the number of art teachers is down by 40 or 50 percent in the last 10 years or so wow um that's at secondary is that oh, sec- secondary, secondary age yes. yeah um so again i think i guess it kind of links with what we're saying you yeah, can definitely. make the move you can yeah. move within the sectors yeah. because i mean if you were a primary school i mean chances are you've got you've done art yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. um or you've done creative things and there's a perhaps you know moving thinking about moving older or if you uh, you know got all these skills in different subjects you know moving to different to younger ages would work I mean I was really interested in this um the part when they were talking about the stress on the crews on the pupil referral units and the behavior incidents arising permanent exclusion figures arising um the the I think the view on or certainly the stories and the reports on behavior within schools is really difficult to hear isn't it i think yes. it must be incredibly difficult to to handle and i can't imagine the stress of of having to deal with that day in day out um but and also what you know that that this how things are is a disaster for vulnerable children at the moment um i mean yeah i think it, it absolutely stands that things need to change don't they yeah, definitely. yeah. yeah. um it's interesting we were talking before weren't we about the kind of um, emotional as well so that life skills and well-being um a little a little semi promo here for the other teachers talk radio shows <laughs> um but i listened uh last night actually or yesterday afternoon i listened to um tom rogers and, and poppy gibson's one um with the happy confident um company and it was it was absolutely brilliant I mean I did tweet and I um I'm definitely going to go and look at their resources Mm. but they are talking about um well the thing was that uh, mental health is is used to be a thing to have in school but now it's a must have like you must be doing doing it and teaching um and yeah I think you'd be interested in these ones Michael the cards they had the feel good no feelings cards and there's yeah. a game you can play anyway we, we'll probably yeah, talk yeah. about that later yeah, on. but yeah i think um it's it, teaching emotional well-being and, and emotional regulation and and all of that i think it runs through all the ages doesn't it? so if you've got experience of, of teaching it to, to younger children you can transfer that up can't you to absolutely. to older yeah. um so um 
Do you, oh, sorry, I've got to I've got to tell you all as well. Um, we've got one of our lovely students here, Connor, is on the is on the chat, and he is looking out for the weather for us. So links in with um, the two minute tech about keeping cool. So Connor, thank you very much. You've looked up for everyone that it should be about twenty degrees today. So that's a little bit cooler, isn't it? Um, so which I'm sure people will be glad to hear. So Connor, thank you for looking that up, and if you've got any more. Um, weather reports I'm sure the listeners would love to hear that so Michael if we just go back to what we were talking about um, and what made you want to move so we've said you know you've said about um, Japan and you you wanted your children to experience life in the UK as well so that um, I think you said so they can make their own decisions when they're older Um, but what about what made you want to move then from primary school teaching um there wasn't initially anything that really made me want to move from primary school teaching. I think I'd been teaching um, year four for a few years, which um, it was just, I just wanted a bit of a change in sense from that in the first yeah. place. Um, and there wasn't necessarily a possibility of doing that in the school I was at. So I just started looking around slightly. Um, there, there were a few things, as I mentioned previously, I like working in smaller groups. So mm. that was something that, mm-hmm. Could have attracted me you know in another setting as well and and teaching one-to-one sometimes and forming closer personal relationships which was quite attractive um but it, it was more um uh well, when i started looking for for inclusion specifically i, I was actually very impressed with the, the job advertisement um yeah. and uh, <laughs> okay, good to know <laughs> I, I really think it is it was very descriptive detailed attractive and and explained what life would be like and and contained elements of of things that we've been alluding to or mentioning just now in terms of Mm. frustration of teachers in the system and and i Mm. remember the advertisement did say that we're a place that genuinely does care about people's mental health and its staff and and looks after their well-being and it was it was so specifically and and obviously personally written as opposed to copy and pasted from somewhere yeah so i I could tell that somebody actually taking the time to to write it as opposed to taking it else so it was a very i think personally written advertisement Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and the the role itself sounded so interesting and exciting too very similar to the role itself that i've described but teaching lots of different subjects yeah not only maths and english but also yeah history art geography whatever might come up um and also I remember it mentioned the music room specifically. Yes. And it said that there was a specific dedicated uh, music teacher and, and music room, I think, as well, which yeah, yeah, which is very interesting and attractive to me because I used to, years ago, I yeah, tried to play the guitar for a long time. <laughs> uh, but I, I was very into it. So it was something that yeah, did seem, um, yeah, just, just incredibly exciting. And the whole situation just seemed very attractive with, with all the different strands of, of curriculum and yeah. subject you could teach plus the, the life skills and well-being and the as I mentioned looking after staff and the fact that it was so personally written and it, it was just a very interesting and uh, uh, exciting sounding position basically that's great that's great um, I'm so, so <laughs> glad to hear that I mean I think it's I think it maybe it all lined up didn't it it all aligned you were, you were potentially looking um, at looking to 
slightly change what you were doing um but no um sort of real thoughts of specifically moving to post 16 but it just happened you were looking and then yeah it fell in your lap well it's meant to be (laughs) (laughs) which i find really interesting because i don't i feel like i didn't actually ever ask you at the time this is a change primary to to post 16 and and why i don't think that i ever asked you that so it's quite interesting to hear um and yeah i i'm it's really nice to hear your feedback actually about the advert because yeah that is absolutely what we what i wanted to achieve with it um it is focused on and i think we did say you know you will not have to mark um, you will not have to take marking yeah. home and, and so on and so on to give people examples, um, which again, Tom and Poppy, I'm going to link to your show again. Um, Poppy was talking about um, well-being washing. Have you heard, okay. heard of this? So it's a bit like, um, I think she gave the other examples, it's a bit like pride washing where um, companies will, you know, put the put the pride logo on their emails okay. and they'll do it for the month. And then it's like, right, that's the end oh, of Pride okay. Month, right? Take it off. We're, right. you know, we're not doing Pride anymore. Um, and well-being washing is is similar in that people, businesses, or organisations, or schools might be saying, yes, we really care about well-being, but it's all very tokenistic. The and exactly it's, it's, the word I was going to use. Yeah, it's not yes. embedded, and it's a bit like, well, you know, how? What does that mean? And I think that's something that we try do of, of what specifics so we Definitely. care about your well-being and that means this yes. and so on um with staff and students um yes. but yeah so this is i mean how lucky are we that this all just <laughs> seemed to work out um the yeah the stars aligned and you were looking for a job and then you thought oh that all sounds good and it's got music i am interested have you ever done guitar here uh, no. No, okay. Funnily, but funnily, I did get roped in to play the bass, though. Yeah, and did, and did you enjoy it? I, I, I did, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there was a recording somewhere of that performance. Well, I'm going to have to ask about that. <laughs> or you have to go in the music room more. Yes. <laughs> um, so what advice would you give others thinking about moving age group or type of provision or you know any of those things or even I guess even countries yeah <laughs> um, so what, what advice have you got for all of those things okay um well for, for country I, I was quite lucky to be honest because completely well coincidentally when I was at school there were lots of Japanese children at my school mm. so I already had quite a Oh, okay. Uh, a firm basis and a, a support group and network mm. when I got to Japan. So it wasn't, even though making the decision itself to go was almost on, well, pretty, yes, pretty much on a whim. I did have that support network, which mm-hmm. made it not such a, a a thought process to have to go through. I, I knew that yeah. I would have friends there. Um, yeah, I guess that's a big one, yeah, actually, because I can't imagine just suddenly going, right, I'm going to move to a different no, country. No. And I saw some other people who joined my school who, who did suffer mainly from not knowing people. Yeah. And, and, and even though there were lots of uh in the area, it still takes time to make friends. And in those first few months it can be yeah. it can be tough. Yeah. But but if um if people are uh interested in doing something after university, it's certainly a, a great activity to do, I think. Mm. Um just if you if you do have any different career plans, make sure you do go back to wherever you're from and actually fulfil those <laughs> instead of staying somewhere for ten years or something. <laughs> well if you need, it seems to have worked out very well oh, for I'll you. Do do. <laughs> Still laughing at the ten year whim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember saying to someone uh, a good friend of mine I still know now 
an Australian called Kevin. I remember walking to the supermarket with him on about my second day and telling him that I would be there about six months and then be back in England in, <laughs> in July. And, and he, he never let me forget that for the following four years. <laughs> It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It was my intention. Yeah. Well, exactly. Things happen, and you obviously went with the flow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 had an amazing ten years. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And also, you did have to be a teacher. My friends were working on something called the Jet Program, which is still going, oh. teaching English in secondary schools in, or also um, primary schools in Japan. Whereas I worked for a um, a private language school, but that actually wasn't the reason I went there. It was more, as I said. On, on a whim something to do after university and I hadn't yeah. thought too much about it um, and then actually just found that I did enjoy the teaching and uh, <laughs> well, which, which oh, wow. didn't um, yeah actually that doesn't surprise me I just never really thought about it in terms of what skills I probably did know I have if I if I'd thought about it yeah but to be honest at that age I wasn't um, no too, too much into that kind of no self-analysis but so it wasn't does. even that you went over to be an English teacher you went over there and then went oh hold on I could do that oh I quite like this I, I, yes, in, in a sense, I, I did sort out the job beforehand. Didn't yeah, you? yeah. But, but in terms of actually thinking about what it would really entail, and I hadn't really thought too much. And, and I remember in the interview in London, um, the interviewer gave me a textbook of theirs and said, after reading this text, what would you do after that? And, and I remember saying, completely honestly, I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I told her that I really didn't understand her question, and and uh, and, uh, and actually, I, I think the language school liked that because yeah. they wanted you to teach according to their prescribed style. Which right. They didn't actually hire a friend of mine a few years later who'd who'd actually already been in Japan and been a teacher, and they didn't hire him. I think because they knew that he taught in a different system, so they didn't uh, like people who yeah um, were actually skilled teachers because <laughs> they, they might actually. Deviate from the, than, yeah, deviate it, from their textbooks. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. kind of like a, a lesson plan which they could almost sell to, to make it like a standard lesson in a sense. Yeah. And if anyone did deviate from that, from the norm, mm. then if someone had a, a different style of lesson, they would realise that the average kind of lesson was actually not really amazing. Yeah, so, so I, think, I see. Uh, it was actually quite, quite a common sense called business model. Yes. But that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it is quite funny when you hear about some of the practices. Which <laughs> I could go on for hours. Well, <laughs> we'll see how much time we've Absolutely. got when we fin- <laughs> finish going through the questions that we've got. Um, um, I've lost track of where we were now. <laughs> oh, oh advice. Was, right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, advice. Yeah. So you've done. So advice for um, perhaps moving countries is um, right, right, right. Uh, it was helpful to you to kind of have have a job lined up and to have yes, a network absolutely. that's made it much easier for okay. you. Um, and perhaps if you're going to have a bit of a plan and a rough idea of when you're coming back. But that yeah, could yes, be that, with that a degree. That could be with a degree of flexibility. <laughs> you can always, you know, yeah, expand it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, what an amazing experience. And I think for whatever else, you know, you just went and, and did it. And like you said, you were 18, um, perhaps didn't have that career plan yeah, exactly. in mind, but you went yeah. and did it and then came back and, you know, continued your teaching career. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. And, and obviously, yeah, I think that the change from from primary to to, to my current role is more mm. obviously more serious in terms of um, uh, what what you're go, going into. I, I think yeah. you, you really do need to understand exactly what mm. it is going to entail because I, I think it's very easy to to think it it can sound um, 
interesting and amazing. But if you don't necessarily know completely what you will be doing, then I think some people might get a slight shock and yes. think maybe if they if they read a, a job description, yeah, they might think they could do that. But unless you've actually experienced it, it's very hard to really describe exactly what yeah it will actually entail. Yeah, totally agree. I think that's something that's happened. Um, certainly happened at other other provisions as well I mean it you know potentially it there are potentially there are teachers that are um, unhappy and very stressed in the mainstream system Um, and then I guess could read this um, you know either alternative provision or specialist provision or you know a a different sector and then think oh my gosh that sounds amazing sounds like a dream and then get if you are not informed just get a real shock um because it it is different um but there are still there are still very high expectations albeit they might be coming from a different source um and um it's it's not always an easy job (laughs) is it (laughs) um so yeah great so actually making sure don't don't just go oh my god that sounds amazing um and kind of fully throw yourself into it without no, finding absolutely. a bit more so maybe visiting visiting the place and um speaking to people that work in that sector um for an honest opinion i yeah. suppose um and and having a good look around i guess yeah, yeah. And also so think about how you actually are as a person and maybe think about why you do want to move so, so yeah. if you're in secondary education think about really why you want to move mm. and of course I and everyone completely understands a lot of the frustrations. Yeah. Secondary teachers, especially, I would say, probably have at the moment. Mm. But at the same time, it's obviously a shame that there are some of these stresses and there's a lot of data-driven practices. Yeah. And some of the practices I've heard about, especially in secondary schools, maybe um, are not overly welcoming. But at the same time, just because that model doesn't work, it doesn't mean that if the model maybe that it should be was working, then you would actually want to work in a secondary school. Yes. So just because it's not working doesn't mean you actually necessarily want to move. Yeah. You just maybe should try and, or if we could, we would ideally change that system. But yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that you actually want to work in a different sector necessarily. So yeah, you've got to understand exactly where you want to be. I've got some friends who have made similar moves to, to alternative education providers and mm. they haven't actually enjoyed it too much. Really? Because I think what they actually wanted to do was stay in secondary, but hopefully in a, in a different system yeah or perhaps even in a different school there's that thing isn't there if you're if you're in a a school and you know unfortunately some schools can be incredibly difficult to work with whether that's you know culture you know the sort of toxic culture or or for whatever reason um and I quite often see this on on Twitter as well of, of people feeling driven to leave the profession or and a lot of people always say don't stay at a school that makes you unhappy and it might be like I said it might be a different school rather than a different complete different age group or sector yeah yeah so I think that's really true I guess that's the same with anything isn't it if you change anything just have a real think like why why do I want to exactly yeah and like quite often it's the the school itself Mm. particular school that you're working just like any any job in any industry you would you wouldn't say that one office was the same as another office. It could be completely yeah. more welcoming or just completely different. So, and it's the same with schools. It's not necessarily that the system itself that you're working in. It's just that the school possibly. So, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
So uh, <laughs> I said when we were preparing, I said I'd like to ask you if there are any disadvantages, yes. and that you can be completely <laughs> yeah, honest yes. about it, despite the, yep. <laughs> you know, despite yeah. the me sitting next to you. Well, no, nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> so disadvantages. No, it's, honestly, the, the first thing I put down was just that it's it's hard to describe. Well, first of all, it's hard mm. to describe because I think any disadvantages are just part of the job. Which yes, that's uh, a, yes, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not. Um, something extra on the side it's it's just um the nature of the, the role nature of the role itself yeah. which yeah. i wouldn't really describe that as a as a disadvantage necessarily um i think that possibly the the hardest part is sometimes when some of the, the stories that you can hear from students mm. because they, they can have uh tough home lives or be in difficult situations themselves yeah. that, that's probably the hardest part and that can be emotionally it can be very very up and down i remember mm. tea last year sometimes you can go from mm. one situation which is very very happy because you're with one person yeah. and then, then the next session might be might be the complete opposite yes. just depending on people situations and, and emotional states and so on and so on yeah uh, but but again I, I wouldn't yeah exactly describe that as a disadvantage because uh i think that's just part part of the and, and so as long as you're aware of that and mm. and, and if you are, are aware of things like this then you can prepare yourself be mentally ready yeah. for them and and remain on a a more emotional even keel yourself and yeah they're just very professionally yeah uh, and, and not get too involved or of course you care about them but at the same time understand that you just can't get too emotionally involved otherwise you become a a wreck yourself almost that's it exactly you can't you can't take it all on no, no. um you've got to learn to i mean i i call it compartmentalizing i guess no, isn't really. it um you've got to have those strategies so that you're not going home and you've you've taken in everything and and you you're still carrying it and and, and hurting i guess sometimes yeah. you know for them yeah. and um it's interesting i as well i think it was really interesting your conversation about how you can go from one session um, and people are in a good place, your students are in a good place, they might be perhaps a little bit further along in progression, and you've got a very sort of lively, yeah. engaging session, um, <coughs> which in itself can take, you know, can it's tiring. Yeah, and then, you know, like you said, then you can go straight then for to a, a one-to-one that is very distressing because somebody's yeah. going through some real sort of trauma Absolutely. or, or the, um, and the skills you need are probably quite different from situation to situation but you know like you said it's your your role is to switch and and, and yes. be that person what that yes. person needs in that moment <laughs> leave right. behind exactly. the uh, exactly. you know move on quickly, the, move on quickly and and <laughs> yeah. make that switch so uh, yeah i think it's um it's very interesting what you were saying there's no sort of you wouldn't call them disadvantages but it's things that are difficult about the role yeah right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that you that people should be aware of and i think that's yes, absolutely yes. right and it's better to know those things oh, absolutely. than just walk in and go well, actually i'm going to have the freedom to uh yeah. You know, play <laughs> play guitar and, and and teach some life skills yeah. and do some art and and then do do a bit of maths. It, there is a yeah. another there is a very um, important part to it, which which is you know and, and deeper. Uh, absolutely, and as we were saying before, make sure you're aware of that if you are interested in making the switch. I think yeah, so that's probably the, one of the, the biggest aspects that I, I think people might not be aware of. Absolutely. So just talk to people. Yeah, talk exactly. to people and find out. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, yeah, on that note, if anyone wants to talk to either of us about a role in specialist yeah. further education, uh, we could talk much more about it. But we are sort of coming to the end, come close to the end. So, Michael, any any last kind of um, thoughts on, on, did you have any other disadvantages? Uh, well, honestly, actually, uh, the, the most, it's not exactly a disadvantage, but the, the worst thing is probably transport can be very frustrating. Yes. Uh, because yeah. a lot of our learners take taxis in and that, yeah. that can be a, organizationally that can be quite frustrating because we don't exactly control it yes we're involved in it um and and sometimes they miss sessions because of that and, yeah and that the whole process involving transport is quite convoluted yeah uh, to organize it set it up and the amount of time it takes to, to organize it um and, and even then sometimes minor problems or mistakes happen and uh that, that can be very, very mm. annoying um, mm. And personally, yeah, trips to Japan are very expensive in the summer. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> yes, because of course you're absolutely. now bound by term exactly. time only yes, and yes. getting back to see yeah, family and friends exactly. must and be... And you only want to go for about three or four weeks minimum if you're going Yeah, to Japan, yeah, going so. all that way. Yeah, um, yeah well... It has been so interesting to talk through all your decision-making oh, process. You <laughs> um, it's really been interesting. So we'll just, for the last um, the last couple of minutes, so I've, oh, I've got another weather update from um, our student, Connor. Um, so he has told us, so for anyone, it's probably relevant for anyone down south. So Tuesday is uh, a gentle breeze. Um, and I think light clouds, 21 degrees. Wednesday, we've got light clouds and a gentle breeze, 23 degrees. Friday, oh, drizzle, um, but good for the garden. Um, and then some light rain showers and a moderate breeze on Saturday. So thank you ever so much, Connor. Um, might have to make this a weekly or so fortnightly thing where we get the weather from you. Um, but yeah. Thank you so much, Michael, oh, for joining so me as well. It's thank been a really much. interesting show. And um, as always, just love hearing about your journey, <laughs> I guess, to, to us here. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. If you're listening back, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and download. Um, you can contact me through uh, Twitter or Teachers Talk Radio. Um, like I said, if anyone's got any any further questions or is perhaps considering a move, um, then we would both love to talk to you about it. Um, I mean, I guess don't write off the other sectors. And thank you, everyone. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.